SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You look for every advantage you can get. Congratulations. You just found it. The winning edge. Sports gaming strategies and information you won't find anywhere else. 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Are you ready? This is Pushing the Odds. Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas! Here's your host, Matt Peralt. Well, I'll tell you, when I went to bed last night, I thought I was going to get up to news that Joel Embiid could be out for the Philadelphia 76ers. I did not think that we were going to get Kawhi Leonard out tonight for the Clippers. What's up? How are you? Welcome into the one hour exclusively here on Sports Grid Radio, Channel 204 on Sirius XM, as we get into NBA basketball in a big way. We've got coaches getting fired this morning, two of them. We now have five openings in the NBA. We've got two NBA games, including Kawhi Leonard, maybe missing the rest of this series against the Utah Jazz. Game five tonight. I bet Utah last night at two and a half, minus two and a half. And I was nervous about it. I I was, I decided to bet Utah because I have been betting on Utah at home for a ton this year. And I would say, I don't know, I'm my record in the NBA this year is 72 and 53. And I thought, how many games above 500 am I thanks to the Utah Jazz? A bunch. And I mean a bunch. And the reason why is because they're great at home. So I laid the two and a half and said, okay, Utah, let's bounce back. Two bad games on the road at LA, get a win. And then I wake up. Check my phone, and Kawhi Leonard's out for at least tonight, maybe the rest of this series, and all of a sudden, Utah, to win this series, looks probable. Where it was kind of maybe, it looks probable now that Utah will advance to the Western Conference Finals, where they will play, if they win this series, the Utah Jazz. Sorry, the Phoenix Suns. And the Jazz will play the Phoenix Suns, potentially, without Chris Paul. Chris Paul, the other massive news today, is positive for COVID-19. And Chris Paul is out for what could be 10 to 14 days until he can pass the COVID-19 tests. If it's 14 days, Chris Paul is out till the 29th of June, which basically means he misses the entire Western Conference Finals. Now, if the Suns were to win and knock out Utah, he would be available for the NBA Finals. But, man, there is some question as to whether or not Chris Paul has received or did receive the COVID-19 vaccine. And if he is a vaccinated player, and we don't know that, but if he is, there's the potential that Chris Paul might miss only a week. Now, the series will begin either on Sunday or Tuesday. So he does get the benefit of some time here because it's Wednesday. So potentially, if that series between Utah and the Clippers were to go seven, 
that would benefit the Suns, and they're really hoping that series go seven now, give as many days as possible for Chris Paul to overcome this and have him not be off the court due to COVID-19 protocols. But, man, for a regular season that was marred by COVID-positive tests and injuries all over the place, I guess we shouldn't be shocked that here we are in the playoffs in the biggest moments of the postseason, and we're talking about COVID-19 positive tests and injuries. I don't know if you know Joel Embiid is going to be at 100% tonight, but the betting public seems to believe so because the line last night was six. We're up to seven here for Philadelphia taking on the Atlanta Hawks, and it's interesting because, look, I like Philly tonight, but the more that number climbs, the more I am looking at Atlanta and the more that I'm curious about Atlanta. Look, Embiid didn't look right. Okay, He didn't look right in game four. Now, he may be fine, but he didn't look right. And maybe it's an in-game wager for me. Maybe I'll jump on it later. But man alive, I don't know what to do right now with that game. Total is 224. I would lean towards the under in that game. But I I just that game tonight, I'm just kind of taking it and throwing it out the window because I don't really know what to do with it. I'm on Utah minus 2.5, and and now the line is 7. It was 7.5, and and then it came back down to 7. You can pay, you know, minus one ten on both sides of that seven four at Fanduel at the Fanduel Sportsbook. You want to bet the Clippers to shock the Jazz tonight? You get plus two forty five on the money line. Utah's laying three dollars at home tonight against the LA Clippers. Again, Utah very good at home. I laid two and a half. Normally, I get burned. I got burned two days ago with this news because James Harden wasn't supposed to play last night. I bet overnight. I took the under last night between the Nets and uh, against the Bucks, and I was really angry when I got up and I realized, okay, James Harden is doubtful, and then James Harden became probable, and then James Harden played. Now, Kevin Durant went off, but the reason why Kevin Durant can go off is because of one of the other superstars being the facilitator and not being the primary ball handler. And so every number missed. It ballooned from 218 or 217, really, up to 221.5 from a total perspective, and they scored 222. So it wasn't a blowout cover, but every number that you laid in terms of betting unders, every under bet lost last night. So it's the first time in that series in the five games we've seen an over hit for the Bucks and the Nets. And so the Bucks adjustments finally caught up and finally worked out, even with those numbers being bumped up after James Harden was cleared. So normally I get burned. Normally uh, when I'm betting overnight, I have to deal with injury news that I don't like. I, I got lucky tonight, today with injury news that benefited me now with that, what, you know, nearly five points of value here with Utah minus two and a half. We've got a lot to get to. Coaching hiring, coaching firings. We've got NHL. We have an investigation for Arizona State with the NCAA. All still to come here on a very, very busy Wednesday. Hard for next here. Big for next. It's pushing the odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Everybody's got an opinion. Go ahead. Ask them. But only a few have an opinion informed by expert analysis and experience. It's called trust. It's why we're here for you. Keep it here and get the edge. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. All right, our four big stories coming at you here in just one second that we're covering for you guys. We do have Turkey and Wales playing in a Group A matchup at Euro 2020. No score that game in the 12th minute there over uh, in, I think we're playing that in in Turkey, I believe. Uh, we will keep you abreast of that game here in Group A as that goes on. You know, A lot of people have been talking about first half unders here in this tournament. I was going to bet it in this one, but it was a half a goal, and I just I couldn't do it, and I'm glad that I didn't because there's been near like three goals already for Wales. Like they've been inside the six, and they should have put it in the back of the net, and they haven't yet against Turkey. So my guess is Wales is going to get one here, but if I had bet this, I would have been sweating it like crazy. So I'm actually kind of glad that I didn't bet the under half a goal here in the first half. But maybe for the, the second game in the Italy game next – uh, one is the total, so maybe you go with the under there in the first half, but you get a push out of it. At least if they score one goal, it's 1-0. You get a push out of it, but we'll keep track of that and see if anything comes out of that game uh, in the Group A stages, Group A uh, matchup between Wales and Turkey here today. But uh, we obviously have a ton of news going on. We've got a ton of things happening. Stan Van Gundy has been fired by the head coach as the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. Scott Brooks has been fired today as the head coach of the Washington Wizards. Five jobs are open in the NBA, and a lot of really young, talented players are going to get new head coaches. Talk about Zion later in the show, but Zion's going to have a third head coach in three years. That is not really the way you want that young player's career to go when you don't have a connection, a relationship, a way of building with a young player of his talent with a coach that they see eye to eye and that it works. So that's not really what you want to have happen for Zion's career. But New Orleans clearly not happy with the 31 and 41 record with Stan Van Gundy at the end of last year with the way they finished the season. They really fell flat in their face late in the year. But some I mean, Lonzo Ball took a good step forward this year and a lot of talent on that Pelicans team, a lot of talent on that Wizards team, a lot of talent on that Celtics team, a lot of talent on that Portland Trailblazers team. I mean, you know, those are, in terms of jobs, I would still think Portland's the best job that's open because of Damian Lillard, and you have a legitimate superstar to go ahead and build your roster around and, and, and play with. But come with, with that comes a lot of power that Dame has. You know, the Red Sox, sorry, the, the, the Celtics, rather, the, the, the Celtics have a chance to, you know, get a hold of a coach that could be there for a while. And Brad Stevens has to hire his replacement, which is very awkward and strange. And But he's got two superstars. Whoever that coach is going to be, he or she, because there is a chance that Becky Hammond is, is the one that gets the job, he or she that gets the head coaching job in Boston, you know, we'll see who Brad taps and says, yes, you can come in and replace me. And, you know, does, he, does the hire get the blessing of the two superstars in Boston? So, very interesting offseason coming up uh, because of the five head coaching openings that are there now, but we're not done with the postseason. And, I mean, LeBron hurt, Anthony Davis hurt, Kawhi Leonard hurt, Mike Conley hurt. I mean, just go down the line of players who have been dealing, you know, Joel Embiid hurt. This schedule 
is leading towards just a ton of injuries right now in the NBA. And and that's where we start here with our number one story of the day. It's just been an insane morning when we realized that Kawhi Leonard is out for tonight and could be out for the rest of the series against the Utah Jazz with a knee injury he suffered in game four in the win over the Clippers. Utah went from minus two and a half overnight to minus seven and a half. It's now down to seven. There's been some buyback on the Clippers tonight, so we're down to seven. But after we learned about Kawhi Leonard being out, we learned about Chris Paul, who has COVID-19, and he could miss the entire Western Conference Finals. And that puts the Suns in a really tough spot. If he's out for two weeks, he could maybe be back for a portion of the NBA Finals. But Phoenix clearly needs their star point guard to be on the floor if they want to make the NBA Finals. After the series win and after knocking out the Lakers and after advancing, Chris Paul talked about how proud he is to be a part of this Phoenix Suns team. I know who I am. I know the type of work that I put in. And I'm grateful for my team around me, like my family, my, my uh, chef, Aaron, uh, shoot, uh, Ann, uh, switching over to, to DBC and Donnie and Dave and everybody there at DBC, man. I got an unbelievable team. And then all you got to do is do the work. You know what I mean? Put the work in and, and it's exciting and, and it's nice to be with a, a, a team um, that everybody has the same mindset. Number two. The Nets were able to take a commanding lead in their best-of-seven series against the Bucks last night behind an all-world effort by Kevin Durant. But what in the world was going on with the defense in the second half against Kevin Durant? Why wasn't Giannis guarding Kevin Durant? The defensive game plan for Milwaukee made no sense. They allowed the Brooklyn Star to score 49 points, grab 17 rebounds, and have 10 assists. According to the Brooklyn Nets, that line, 45-plus points, 15 or more rebounds, 10 or more assists in a game in the NBA playoffs has never happened before. That was arguably the greatest playoff performance we've ever seen by a single player. That's unreal what happened. Now, the final score is 114-108, just barely getting the victory by five points. But Giannis and company are now going home, facing elimination, and Antetokounmpo is scoring 34 points and grabbing 12 rebounds. The bench was okay last night, but defensively, it was a mess. P.J. Tucker didn't score any points last night for the Milwaukee Bucks, and normally we were talking after game three, we were talking about Kevin Durant and the defense they were playing on him and what P.J. Tucker was doing, and then game four, what P.J. Tucker was doing to him. In game five, P.J. Tucker couldn't do anything, and the return of James Harden was gigantic. But for Kevin Durant, he's not taking anything lightly. This series is not over. He is not satisfied yet. I mean, we got another game. We got to travel tomorrow, and we got a game six. I mean, I can't celebrate because we, we, uh, we won the game. We got another game to try to finish it up. Number three, Vegas Golden Knights tonight play at home against Montreal here at T-Mobile Arena. Game two of their best of seven Stanley Cup semifinal. Vegas up one nothing after a 4-1 win in the first meeting on Monday. The Canadiens had their seven-game win streak snapped, but Vegas is now on a five-game win streak in the postseason. They are again big favorites here tonight. Pete DeBoer of Vegas said yesterday his team is not taking anything for granted against Montreal. We're not taking anything for granted. We, we know the character of that team. We know what they've done. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, we've, 
we've been in that spot ourselves where, where people have, uh, have written us off and, and, uh, you know, I, I know, uh, how we responded and, and I saw how they responded. So, you know, we won one game. Uh, I think, uh, we can play better than we did last game. I'm sure they're going to, uh, say they can play better. So it's how everyone responds to game two. Number four, the U.S. Open starts tomorrow in San Diego. We are not going to get a Bryson versus Brooks pairing that we all were hoping for. Both golfers were asked about the off-the-course off the, uh, rivalry, and both said it's very good for the game. For Bryson DeChambeau, he finds the whole argument off-the-course off the anger Twitter fights with Brooks pretty funny. I, I wouldn't say, look, for me, I'm always going to be trying to – you know, play my game and, and not really worry too much about what other people people are doing. But, you know, I, th- I think there are just times where if it gets outside the scope of, you know, just integrity and honor, and then, yeah, that, that, that can get a little interesting. But same point in time, all of it's been good fun. It's been fun. I mean, shoot, to be honest, people saying, you know, Brooksy's name out there, I, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's hilarious. He doesn't really think it's hilarious, by the way, because somebody called him Brooksy and he got really mad. So in actual practice... That's not true. Bryson doesn't really like to be called Brooksy, so maybe he's trying to act like it's ah, it's all fun. Nah, he didn't like it. <laughs> he's, not a, he's not a fan of it at all. So don't let that quote fool you. You call him Brooksy on the course coming up at Torrey Pines, you might get a, a neck snap from Bryson DeChambeau. Next, let's break down the game tonight. Vegas at home, two basketball games to get into. It is pushing the odds on a very, very busy Wednesday here on Sports. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. Don't believe it. Never turn us off. You'll see. Keep listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. This is Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. So we've played 25 minutes between Wales and Turkey, and Wales has had like five chances to score, and they haven't scored yet. So if you're sitting on an on a over bet, half a goal in the first half between these two, you are angry. I mean, Wales easily could have one, if not two goals here in the first half against Turkey, and so far no score there. Half, halfway through the first half of that Group A matchup between Turkey and Wales. All right, so... Interesting line movement for team futures with the NBA championship in the wake of the news that Kawhi Leonard has a a pretty significant knee injury. The odds for the LA Clippers to win the NBA championships have ballooned at the FanDuel Sportsbook to plus 1100. The Suns now in the wake of the news that Chris Paul has COVID-19 and he may not be available for the Western Conference Finals, their number now is plus 500 to win the NBA championship. 
The Utah Jazz now sit just behind the Brooklyn Nets. After Brooklyn's win yesterday, they were plus 350 to win the NBA championship yesterday. They win. They beat Milwaukee. They're now plus 200 at the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the NBA championship. So something, some pretty significant movement there with Brooklyn. And the Utah Jazz, who were plus 290 yesterday, are now plus 250 to win the NBA championship. The Western Conference odds also have shifted. The favorite to win the Western Conference now, the Utah Jazz at minus 110. I am sitting on a ticket for the Utah Jazz at plus 355 to win the Western Conference that I made, but back before the postseason began. Utah now the odds on favorite by a big way. They're the only one laying juice. Phoenix is at plus 155, and the Clippers now at plus 440 to win the Western Conference due to the knee injury for Kawhi Leonard. It's a decent, I mean, it's the right move given the fact that the Clippers are 5-6 and six against the spread this year without Kawhi Leonard. And, I mean, not having him is just monster. Mike Conley may or may not play tonight, but you wonder if the Jazz will say, we don't want to play Mike Conley tonight. Let's keep resting the hamstring. Let's get it right. And we could win game five. Even if we lose game six, we're going home. And then maybe you get Mike Conley ready for a game six situation. Or sorry, game seven, rather, at home. But maybe Kawhi's back by then. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it sounds bad, but given the way these injuries have gone, I don't know how significant. I guess we don't know the exact injury for Kawhi yet. We, do, we just know it's a knee injury. So how serious is it? How, you know, how damaging is it? We, we don't know yet for Kawhi, but he's definitely out tonight. That means he's probably going to be out for game six, but maybe he comes back for game seven, depending on what the knee injury is and we learn about it. The Eastern Conference odds have stayed pretty consistent, although Brooklyn now is minus 140 to win the Eastern Conference. Philadelphia is at plus 250. Milwaukee is at plus 390. You want to throw a crazy flyer and say, you know, Harden re-injures the hamstring. Kyrie's done for maybe the rest of the postseason with that pretty significant ankle injury. And let's say Kevin Durant were to get hurt. You know, we don't want that to happen, obviously. But if by chance Kevin Durant got hurt, well, the Atlanta Hawks are plus 1,800 to win the Eastern Conference. May not be a crazy flyer given where we are with the postseason. And the depth of the Hawks could actually help out. I mean, they're without Hunter. And without him, he's re- I mean, that's really hurt Atlanta. People kind of have un- underestimated just how devastating that injury has been for the Atlanta Hawks not to have him available defensively and offensively he was a huge catalyst towards their run at the end of the season so not to have him has been really damaging but I mean why not (laughs) to win the east why not plus 1800 they got a huge game tonight they are a monster dog tonight at home sorry on the road rather to Philadelphia catching seven points here the total is 224 look I I I know why Oh, man, Turkey Turkey should have scored. What a save. Header into the corner, saved by the defenseman on the post there on a corner kick. Um, but the, the, the Phillies, when, when Philadelphia is healthy, Philadelphia is really, really, really good and really hard to stop and, and really going to be a uh, – in a lot of ways, Atlanta just gets outclassed. Trey Young's got to play so well, has to score so much. And the trapping, the physicality that Philadelphia had placed on Atlanta in games three and four, they admitted shocked them. But they won game four, 
and they're able to send this back to Philadelphia, tied up at two games apiece, and it's a best of three now with Philadelphia having home court. But what does the knee look like for Joel Embiid? He went four for 20 in game four. He became the first player to go 0 for 12 in a half in a playoff game. I mean, that's really hard to do, taking 12 shots and missing all 12 shots. That's really hard to do, and he could not get any lift off of the ground due to the knee injury and the last second layup that he blew. He had no lift. He can't jump. Just like James Harden yesterday, he was short on every single shot because he had zero lift. He just couldn't jump. So, you know, what does Embiid look like tonight? And if he's not out there scoring, Philly can't score. I mean, you can't ask Ben Simmons to score a lot because he's not going to. Seth Curry is 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 good for, what, 12 points a night? I mean, that's about it. Tobias Harris is good for, you know, 8 to 10, 12, 15 points, right? You need Embiid scoring 25, 30 points. I mean, that's their offense. And so if you're not seeing Embiid score and Trey Young has a really big game and he gets hot from the outside, he hasn't looked like himself due to the way that the defenses are collapsing on him, the double teams. I mean, he's six foot one up against a six foot ten, six eleven guard in Penn Simmons. And there's just a massive, massive mismatch there, in particular when they double team him to get the ball out of his hands. They need somebody else to step up. John Collins has to shoot better. Bogdanovich has to be red hot. They need some bench help. They need players to come in and add scoring because they're not going to be able to slow down Philadelphia entirely. They're going to give up some points. They're going to give up over 100 points. It's guaranteed. It doesn't matter how far over 100 points is Atlanta going to give up. And they need to have Trey Young out there hitting threes. He's got to stretch the defense. He's got to open up the opportunities inside for players to go and drive to the basket and get to the rim. And if Trey Young's not doing that, they will collapse, and it's difficult to get to the rim, and then the offense really stagnates, and everything kind of slows down. And Philadelphia, that's how they win. They grind it. If Philly wins, you have to like the under tonight. If Philly's going to win this and cover this, you've got to like the under 224. If Atlanta wins outright, you got to like the over. Now, most likely covering the seven I think that probably happens. If I was going to bet this and I haven't bet this yet, I probably would bet Atlanta plus seven. But if Philly kills them, you're, you're going to get a better number. Like, it's easy to see this get to like eight, nine, 10, 12 in game. I bet last night in game on the Nets, I took plus seven and a half. It was as high as plus 11, but I didn't need it. I didn't bet money line. I just took plus seven and a half and it, you know, made up for the fact that I had the under and it lost. So I was kind of a wash on that game, but I took plus seven and a half because I was looking at this game going, okay, at some point the Nets are going to turn this around. At some point you're going to watch Kevin Durant go off. And at some point I was concerned about the scoring for Milwaukee. And that's what happened. I mean, Kevin Durant just kept on scoring. And so, you know, in game that cashed not a money line, although you could have gotten a really nice price money line when Milwaukee was up by double digits. You could have gotten a really nice Nets money line price in game, but I just took the plus seven and a half. The, you know, so tonight I I see Atlanta and Philadelphia as kind of another opportunity there for an in game wager versus a pre game wager just to see what Embiid's knee looks like. And if it's good and he's running and he's shooting and he's hitting shots and he looks healthy, I would say go ahead and hammer Philadelphia. And I think Philly wins the game going away. But if he's not, and if he's leaving shots short and he looks like he's in pain, I think you have to turn around and say, yeah, I, I mean, I, 
I think there's an opportunity there for uh, for Atlanta, you know, maybe early to go ahead and see what you get. Seven, eight, nine points of value right there you could jump in on with plus seven, plus eight, plus nine for Atlanta. And they may win the game outright. and Or maybe you take a plus 200 on the money line, you know, if you want to go with a flyer. So I, I don't really know what to do with that game. Clippers and Jazz... I'm sitting at minus two and a half. I, I don't need to break it down all that much because you know they're so good at home. They're 27-14, I believe the number is, against the spread at home. And I was riding with them, even with Kawhi Leonard in the game, I was riding with them. And now it's seven. So I, I have a, a ton of closing line value. We'll see where the line winds up going, but you need Chris Paul to be, sorry, Chris, you need Paul George, rather, just to be extremely good tonight. And just be outstanding and score 40-plus. Uh, this game might get away from the Clippers early. And essentially without Kawhi, maybe they're resting him. Maybe it's just a, a maintenance day and say, hey, look, it, we've got you know two games left after this one if we win game six. Not to say they're punting on game five, but it kind of feels like maybe they are. And they're saying you can have game five. We'll go back and win game six at home. And then it'll be all about game seven. That's, that's a, a potential. That's what... You know, on Twitter, you saw some commentators, you know, say Reggie Miller said, sit down both James Harden and Kevin Durant in game number five or sorry, game six, rather, and push all your chips in, as he said, in game seven. And he got kind of dragged for that. But I don't know. I think that's probably a good idea. It's not a horrible idea. I don't hate that idea of saying, look, it, you know, chances are we're going to go there and lose with James Harden and with Kevin Durant. Their role players are much better at home in Milwaukee than they are on the road. We've got Game 7 at home. Why don't we just guarantee us a Game 7? Because chances are it's going to be Philadelphia coming out on the other side, and we need to make sure that we're healthy when the Eastern Conference Finals begin. It's just a way of approaching it. I don't. People's reaction was like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know. I didn't think it was a crazy idea. Not going to happen. I don't think it's a crazy idea, though. All right, next, David Behrman of ESPN is going to join us. U.S. Open starts tomorrow. Tory Pines, everyone betting on Phil. Good bet, bad bet. Bryson, Brooks, and more will break down the U.S. Open next year. I'm pushing the up. Non-stop. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Pushing the odds live from Las Vegas. Here's Matt Peralt. All right, Ryan Spader, who is an author, a guy who is a baseball stat geek, and a dude who is as called a retired senior hedge fund account manager, has just put out a thread that I think is going to once everyone reads it in baseball, I think everyone's going to react to it. It's already blowing up on Twitter right now, but he is essentially calling out baseball i mean we're talking about the yankees the royals the dodgers the phillies as being the biggest cheaters the rockies 
the Astros. I mean, he is airing dirty laundry like there's no tomorrow right now when it comes to baseball and baseball cheating. And he, he starts the thread by saying, everything that I'm about to say was verified by more than one player. I do not mean to burn anyone, and I love baseball. I've just had enough of this BS. And he just goes through to rip the Royals championship series uh, season, the Dodgers championship season, uh, the uh, the Astros championship season. I mean, wow. So Ryan Spader, the ace of Spader on Twitter and on my Twitter account at Sports Talk Matt, if you guys want to start to read that thread. But I'm guessing we're going to get even more craziness today. It's been a very busy day, a lot of basketball. A lot of news, but let's start talking about the U.S. Open as it begins tomorrow. Tory Pines in San Diego, David Behrman, ESPN Chalk, joining us here on Pushing the Odds. David, Matt Peralta, how are you? It's good. Speaking of a sport where nobody cheats, no foot wedges, no drop balls in the rough, uh, no miscounting scores, signing incorrect scorecards, the purest of pure sports, golf. Yes, the, the, the gentleman sport that no one calls on their own penalties, but yes. Uh, okay, so here's my question. Is it a good idea to sprinkle on Phil, or is it a dumb bet for this week with Mickelson at the U.S. Open? He's not going to win it. Let's just call it what it is. And I would have said the same thing last month at the PGA, and you would have come back to me and said, oh, you were wrong. I was wrong. Or, you know, you're betting on every single event. You're not going to win every single one. What Phil did at the PGA, uh, taking nothing away from him, there was nothing short of miraculous. I just don't think you bottle that up and do it again. Um, could he do it? Yeah, he's still Nicholson. He has, you know, five major titles, and he's come close many, many times. This is this event's even that much harder. Um, if Phil was playing the way Phil of 2000 was playing or 2005 or even 2010, I would say, sure, you can go out and win every event. People all of a sudden, Matt, quickly forget that Phil Mickelson leading up to the PGA Championship was playing like a 50-year-old out there (laughs) on tour and on the Champions Tour. He wasn't competing. He wasn't making cuts. He wasn't doing anything other than the one day he went out there and had the first-round lead. And then he caught it in a bottle, and everybody else played bad. He played great. Yeah, it was a great story. I look forward to seeing the movie one day. It's not like Phil right now is playing the caliber of golf with a John Rahm or a Bryson DeChambeau or Xander Shockley, which is what he's going to have to do to win the U.S. Open. So if you want to sprinkle a little bit so you could say you did, great, have fun. Congrats to everybody who did it a month ago. I don't see it happening again. And to me, and you're going to see David Purdom just released a story about an hour ago about how the books have huge liability on Phil this week. <laughs> there are more people betting on Phil and more money on Phil than anybody else in this event. And I believe that those bean counters behind the counter are just licking their chops saying, finally, we're getting some money back. Because you know they lost a lot when Tiger won the Masters, and they lost a lot when Phil won a month ago. Now they're just going to get all that money back because everybody loves betting on Phil Mickelson. And I remember a quote that I heard from Jay Cornegay at Westgate when Tiger won the Masters. It was like the greatest thing for them because now everybody's going to bet Tiger every single week. <laughs> And they're going to get all that money back tenfold. So I'm sure the books are more than ecstatic that the liability is on a 51-year-old. Seven-figure liability, the story, the headline, the, the sports books feature featuring a seven-figure liability on Phil. All right, so I want your take on Xander because you, you brought up Xander Shoffley. Every year, I've got friends of mine who are really deep into golf betting and, and in, the, in the golf betting community, and, and they gave me DJ to win the Masters during the pandemic, and it hit. They've come back and told me Xander Shoffley, it's a home game for him. He grew up playing Torrey Pines. He knows it. It's his time to win the U.S. Open. Do you like Xander Shoffley this week? 
I do like Xander Shoffley, and I am someone who takes Xander almost at every major, and I've been the guy who, like, oh, I take him again, and they just cut and paste what I wrote two weeks ago and write it again. <laughs> I like him, and I'm not only going to play him at 20 to 1, I'm going to play him as a top five at $3.5 and a top 10 at about 175 because that's what this guy does, and you just hope the end of the day that maybe it is his turn. It was Hideki's turn before. It was Justin Thomas's turn. It was other people's turn. Everybody's getting their turn to be the guy that hadn't won a major. Xander done it all with the majors. I mean, think about it. He has seven top sixes in his last 16, in the 16 majors he's played. Seven times he's finished in the top six. Which major is always the toughest to get, the one that Phil doesn't have, the one that all of these great players go out and shoot over par? It's the U.S. Open because it's mm. tighter, the rough is bigger, and the scores are astronomical. Look what Xander Shockley has done in his four career U.S. Opens. Fifth, sixth, third, fifth. That's his four U.S. Opens, the, 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 the major that everybody struggles at, that Phil has yet to win. All four times Xander's teed it up, he's had a top six or better. You mentioned he's home. He was runner-up in January at this very course at the Farmers Insurance. Third in total shots gained, eighth in putting, 11th in greens. He has all of the intangibles to get it done. And if you're worried that this is just a guy who can't close the deal, he hasn't had a win on tour in over three years, then play the top five like I am at three and a half dollars because that's what he does every single time. Mm. Albeit he missed the cut at the PGA. Going to throw that one out the window because a lot of big names missed the cut at the PGA. I do like him. I'm going to throw down 20 to one and top fives and tens. I'm playing in DFS. I'm playing him in pools. Uh, if he's going to win one, I think it's going to be this one. He has great iron games. He's good off the tee good up and down. And like I said, he's eighth in putting. So uh, unless he runs into trouble, I like his chances to win this event. Yeah, I'm going to be on Shoffley. If you do bet top five, top ten, check your house rule, guys. It's important to take a look at that because some pay out ties, <laughs> some do not. It's an important distinction with your house rules when it comes to top fives and top tens. Vegas, pretty much across the board, pays out ties. Other books do not. David, John Rahm is the odds-on favorite at most books. FanDuel's got him as a monster favorite, plus 950, and Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson at plus 1,700. What do you make of John Rahm's chances in the wake of what happened at the Memorial? Sure. I normally don't play short favorites at these events just because there's so many intangibles and so many people in the field, and you don't get great value. And if you look at all of the favorites at under 20 to 1, many of the names you just mentioned, whether it's Steve, DeChambeau, um, Kepka, JT, Dustin, they all have something that's wrong with them. I can't mm. find one thing wrong with John Rahm, so I'm actually willing to play John Rahm. I got him at 10 to 1. Uh, not going big, obviously, there's not a lot of value at 10 to 1. I'm also taking him to finish in the top 10. And the reasons why I'm going against what I normally do in, in taking a, you know, a favorite like John Rahm is the way he has played, not necessarily at the Farmers Insurance, but on this specific south course, which those who know and watch the farmer's insurance, they split the courses on the south and the significantly easier north course. On the south course alone, where all four rounds are being played, John Rahm is 23 under in his five starts, which is the best of anybody at all. Anybody in the field, anybody who's played, he has played extremely well on this specific course. I know it's going to be harder set up for the U.S. Open. He won it in 2017, and he has two additional top tens there, including a runner-up in 2020. And just take a look at the overall metrics of John Rahm. First in scoring average on tour, second in tee to green, and second in total shots gained, third off the tee, fifth hitting greens. You saw how well he played at the Memorial before he got, you know, had a withdrawal, and that was unfortunate. And the one thing that has been a knock on Rahm 
has been his temperament. He gets inside his own head, blows up a little bit, takes that bad score early, and then he's chasing the rest of the time. He has had bonus time to think about this one mm. due to his withdrawal playing at the top of his game. I'm hoping, as a better on him, that he's taken that time to refocus, worry about what's important to him and his family and his health, go out there, and, and basically he's playing as consistent as anybody on tour. He has not won. There's a big zero in the W column, not only in majors, but this year. He has 10 top 10s, which leads the tour. So if you're looking for consistency, nobody has been more consistent this season with 10 top 10s than John Rahm. He's made just as many cuts as everybody else. He's in contention every single week. You're hoping that this is the week that he gets his due. So I'm going to be playing in the top 10 and a win. He's a little bit too much for my, rich for my blood on DFS, uh, but he's the favorite for a reason. Usually I, I argue the favorites and say, well, you know, DJ hasn't played well. JT's only had one event he's played well. Brooks is injured. I think realistically speaking, he's the favorite and he should be the favorite. David, Tony Finau, I saw a book report that they had a pretty big liability. Phil's obviously the biggest one, but they got a big liability on Tony Finau into this week. He obviously has been the bridesmaid quite a bit. Could it be Finau's time? It could be, but I'll see it when I believe it. And that's always been my philosophy on Tony is, you know, I, we call him top 10 Tony for a reason. And, <laughs> and I play him top 10s and 20s pretty much every single week on tour. The guy has 39 top 10 since 2016, 17, which was when he last won third most on tour. And what excites me the most about Tony is that he has in his last six majors, and this could be why the books have so much liability, last six majors across the landscape, five times he's finished in the top 10. That's twice as, that, that's two more than anybody else. Nobody else has had even four top tens in the last six majors. So if you're a guy who just shows up and watches the majors, you have seen Tony Finau name in the top five, five out of the last six majors. He's on TV every single time. You see his name. People are betting him. However, the guy just doesn't win. So I'm not playing him to win because there's no sense in me putting money on a guy who doesn't seem to have that finishing instinct. But at two and a half to one to finish in the top 10 or even money for a top 20, I think there's a lot of good value there. Not only has he finished in the top 10 at majors, he's extremely good on this course, just like John Rahm and a guy like Patrick Reed, runner up this year to Reed at Torrey Pines, tied for six last year. And that, that stat I gave you a minute ago about minus 23 for Rahm on the south course, well, top 10 Tony is minus 21 on the south course. So he's a guy I expect to be in contention. And I can't really argue with anybody who's going to spray some money on him to win because at some point he will, but I'm not willing to do it until he actually wins something beyond the Puerto Rico Open in 2016. Mm. I got about a minute left, David. Give me an exotic. What's a play that's kind of off the board that you're going to make coming up for the U.S. Open? Jordan Spieth to miss the cut at plus 240. He's terrible at this course. He hasn't played well at a U.S. Open in five years with a couple of missed cuts and a couple of really bad finishes. It's tight, thick, rough, and speed is 120th on tour in shots gained off tee, which includes, play this one back, 184th on tour in driving distance. 184th. I do this for a living and couldn't name 183 golfers that are better than Jordan Spieth in driving accuracy. That's not the recipe to get it done at Torrey Pines. Two and a half to one to miss the cut. Go play that exotic, and you might be uh, having a nice little steak dinner after Sunday. I like that bet a lot. Wow, that's poor Jordan. But I, I'm with you. I mean, it's just he's so inconsistent, and, and you got to be accurate on this golf course. It's going to be a really, really fun four days. It all starts tomorrow in San Diego. David, great stuff today. Thanks for the time. Really appreciate, appreciate you coming on. 
Thanks, Matt. Enjoy. Now I got to go read that thread you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. David Behrman, ESPN Chuck, joining us here on Pushing the Odds. Follow him on Twitter at D Behrman ESPN to follow him on Twitter. How about that Jordan Spieth bet? I like that a lot. That's a nice plus money return there for a guy who most likely is going to have that situation. All right, here is the big deal. The big breaking news. Kawhi Leonard is feared to have a torn ACL or an ACL injury. How about that? He's out indefinitely. So Kawhi, not just out for this game, he's out for the playoffs. More on that coming up next. Crazy day. Pushing the odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As you continue listening to Sports Grid, ask yourself and be honest. Am I listening? Enough. Probably not. 16 hours a day. That's all we ask. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. All right, this is just a crazy day. In reaction to the report from Stadium and Shams that Kawhi Leonard. The team is fearing an ACL injury at what level we don't know. Torn, partially torn. He's out indefinitely, most likely. With this news, he's done for this series. Kawhi is not coming back against Utah, against the Utah Jazz in this series. I mean, maybe if the Clippers were playing in the NBA Finals, there might be you know enough time to rest the ACL. But if it's not torn, they really don't want it to fully tear. If it is torn, Kawhi's done for six to nine months, and next year he won't be available at the start of the season for next year. It's a, that is a significant knee injury for Kawhi Leonard. The betting market's already responding. Clippers were plus 1,100 to win the NBA championship 20 minutes ago at the FanDuel Sportsbook. They are now plus 1,300 to win the NBA championship to win the Western Conference, they've gone from plus 400 to now plus 600 to win the NBA to win the Western Conference. Utah has gone from minus 110 to win the Western Conference Championship to minus 130 to win the Western Conference Championship. Phoenix Suns at plus 150. As I mentioned earlier, I'm sitting on a ticket for Utah to win the West at plus 355. So I'm, uh, I mean, not that I want Kawhi hurt, but things are coming into focus there potentially for the Utah Jazz uh, to win the Western Conference at plus 355. And, you know, I've got crazy value now on that with Utah at minus 130. So we'll, we'll see where we go and in, in what happens in the next couple of hours. And we'll continue for our second hour on sports grid radio coming up. We'll welcome in the sports map radio audience and see if we get more clarity as to what exactly is the team dealing with. But Kawhi Leonard is hurt. Chris Paul has COVID-19 and is out for up to two weeks. We've got multiple coaches fired today in the NBA. I, I mean, wow, this is a day. There is just a lot going on today in the NBA. 
Another very busy hour coming up here on Sports Grid Radio, Channel 204. Don't move. We welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience next year. I'm pushing the odds. Coming at you all day, every day, with more attitude than other lesser networks would deem appropriate.